This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 211. That's two and one Alfredson. Ladies and gentlemen, number 11, numéro 11, Daniel Alfredson. This is December 5th, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, welcome back, Asif. From the yes, Worldwide good to be Tour. back. It's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, live from Toronto, home of the crappy Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, but the great Raptors. Yeah. What's that? But the great Raptors. The great Raptors, yes, the great Raptors. The fierce tonight's, Raptors. Tonight's a big night for the Raptors. We'll see what happens. Yes, well, it always is. They Everybody are playing the Cleveland Caval- Cavaliers. LeBron, baby. LeBron, they're on fire. Uh, the Cavaliers, four in a row. Uh, Raptors doing pretty good, though. We'll yep. see. And it's like a tribute to Nelson Mandela I'll tonight. That. Thank you very much. 24 points, 13 assists. Cavs win 105-91, six in a wow. row. Wow, we're already off to a great start. Welcome back, Asif. How was your trip? The trip was good. The trip was uh, really, really good. Had had some great meetings uh, while I was out there. Uh, and... Um, yeah, saw some stuff too. I mean, I got to tour around a little bit and uh, went out to uh, Mount Fuji. It was bad weather, so I really didn't get to see much of it. But uh, hey, it was it was still worth the effort to go out to the area and kind of see all that. And uh, you know, saw some of the temples in in town. And we're you know, uh, big property in the middle of of downtown Tokyo where uh, the emperor lives, and all that. So it was it was good. You know, saw like some to be stuff. Emperor. Had good meetings. Achieved uh, what's that? I said I'd like to be emperor. How do I become emperor? Yeah, you know emperor? who doesn't want to be emperor? You know. I said I'm best. I'm best suited if I was basically if I ran my own little country. Yeah. So I'm looking for something. Anybody out there has an idea? I'd love to hear it. Looking for exactly. my own little country. And I'll carry Rob's bags. <laughs> no way, man. You're a part of it. If we have to go in there and storm a country and take it over, you're right <laughs> next to right next to uh, to me as we do this. That's okay. the plan. All right. Because we, we can't do a democracy. We can't use a democracy here. This is a full-on we, oh, this totalitarian. A full-on. This is a regime Putin we're talking style. about. It is. We're just going to walk in and take it. All right. It's more like Che. Che Guevara, right? Uh, and and uh, Fidel Castro. Mm. We're just going to walk in there and take it. We're going to take it. All right. I've got a great show, Asif. Uh, but before we do that, you've got a couple of events that are coming up for the LBMA and LBMA partners. What are you uh, talking about these days? Yeah, a couple things just to kind of close out the uh, the year as we get uh, closer to the holidays. Uh, so starting on December the 9th, the LBMA Amsterdam chapter, we're, uh, we're supporting an event out there called Think Big, Act Small. So that's on the 9th. Uh, all that information uh, for that is on the LBMA events page uh, on our site. Following that, on the uh, the 10th, uh, right here in Toronto, um, not an LBMA event, but one that I will be participating in, this is uh, an event called Data Marketing 2014. Uh, so it's all around data marketing, obviously. Uh, and I'm doing a panel with, uh, in partnership with our good friends at DMTI Spatial. Uh, so that's on the 10th and 11th, actually. Uh, it's a two-day event. I'm only there on the 10th. 
Uh, and then the 16th, uh, the following week, uh, the Tuesday, I'll be in Chicago for LBMA Chicago's uh, Beacons and Beer uh, event uh, uh, put on by uh, InMarket and Beacon. Um, so uh, excited about that. And it's at 1871, same venue we had for our, our retail logo uh, conference. So uh, good stuff going on there. Uh, all of this stuff you can find on uh, thelbma.com forward slash events. Very cool. Very cool. thelbma.com forward slash events. Seems kind of uh, quiet for you based on your, your, your history these last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, you know, it's, i got two more weeks where I'm on the road a little bit, and then, uh, then you know, it's, it's, it will completely settle down. I'll get to, like, actually stay home, get some work done, work on the next Retail Loco, you know, yes. things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll be, like, not traveling for, like, at least three weeks. So that's good. <laughs> it's a recovery. Your body recovery will thank time. you. You'll be sick. Yeah. You'll be in bed for three weeks. Yeah, eggnog. Yeah, eggnog and rum. That'll keep you going. Yeah. All right, well, we have our typical great show in front of us. I'm predicting that it's going to be a great show. We've got 10 stories, the top 10 stories of this past week when it comes to location and contextual marketing. Got a great guest in Michael Provenzano, who is the co-founder of Vistar Media, who I got to sit down with uh, in November for a good long episode on Untether.tv. But here is a sample of it. The full episode will be coming up. But remember to subscribe to the newsletter if you're interested, in, or just keep checking Untether.tv. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to break down. We've got two big main stories that we, we're going to be talking about, and it's all based on these 10 stories, some of the trends that we're seeing out of these 10 stories. So we might as well kick it off. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I get to start this week. Here is our first story. It involves Snapchat and geofilters. Now, back in July, Snapchat started offering special image filters to photos taken inside of their app with their photo app component of in Snapchat. And depending on where you were when you took the app, the filters would actually appear. You'd, you'd take a photo and you'd swipe right or swipe from left to right. And it would either be a text or a sticker graphic would appear and it would overlay your photo. It would attach to it and then it would send it away. It was, uh, you know, these photos or these filters were available for the development community until this very moment. This week, Snapchat has opened this, uh, this feature up to everyone. So you can add these little geo filters along with other kinds of filters that we see on Instagram, you know, typical filters. But you can actually create photos or filters or overlays in order to be able to use in Snapchat that are contextually or location aware. So if somebody's in that location, they can now choose to have your filter on their image. It's pretty neat. You know, it's pretty simple, but pretty neat. Um, and I like the location and the contextually aware piece to it. So if you're in Santa Monica, you're at the pier, take a photo of the pier, you can choose now probably a bunch over a bunch of things that you can uh, have overlaid onto your photo. Simple. Cool. Good start. I like it. All right. Our second story over to the United Kingdom. Barclays Bank, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about beacons. We tend to talk about beacons in a, in a retail context, but here we are. Barclays Bank is uh, trialing beacons uh, at their Sheffield branch. Uh, and this starts, uh, it started just this week, December the 3rd. Uh, and they're deploying beacons in a rather unique way. Basically, it's in aid of the uh, disabled. And so they, they launched this uh, December the 3rd in partnership with the United Nations International Day of Persons with Dis Disabilities. Basically, beacons placed within the bank alert employees via mobile application when a customer uh, who's coming in uh, has special needs. So someone you know, who's disabled is arriving at the bank. Uh, they need uh, assistance. 
And so uh, they can sign up for this service in advance. Uh, they can uh, choose how much information they want to share about uh, themselves and, and their and their needs and stuff. But basically, a photo uh, for identification. Um, and you know, as they come into the bank from a, a you know beacon-based geofencing perspective, an alert gets sent to an employee on a on a tablet, and and they know that this person's arrived, and they can they can kind of you know come out and 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 personally uh, assist them in that way. So I think this is great. This is you know using beacons in a in a very customer service uh, application. Um, it even will present the information uh, on on the person's uh, history, if you will, uh, their their visitor history, their personal history, their banking history, whatever you know you define as 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 the disabled person when you sign up for this service. So it's all permission based, uh, and I think it's really cool. So I like uh, it. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk more about this on the on the back end, and it's one of our bigger stories. But uh, Barclays Bank using beacons in a customer service way to uh, aid those with disabilities. Very cool. Our third story is a really simple one as well. I get the good simple ones, which is great for a Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, when I always hear companies raising money on Kickstarter, I think of the companies like, you know, that Bluetooth-enabled uh, luggage. You know, they raised $1.3 or they did $1.3 million in, in, in pre-orders for their product. Uh, but here's a Vancouver company, Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. They raised three thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Receive three thousand dollars. Three thousand bucks. Three thousand dollars. It's called <clears throat> Cab Share Canada at CabShareCanada.ca, and it does exactly what it says. Now I've got a little bit of an aside here because my mayor and my city in Ottawa uh, are now uh, deeming Uber illegal, and in fact, uh, there are competing bids to actually put legislation in that outlaws Uber from Ottawa, which is great. And it's the only city that I know of where you've got two people a uh, parliament fighting to say who came up with the bid to boop, boot Uber out of the city faster, uh, who, came, who came up with the bid to do it first. It's ridiculous. My city's a backwater city if they do this. Anyway, um, so CabShare is probably an alternative to that maybe. It's right now in the Vancouver area and it does exactly what it says. You need to take a cab and somebody else needs to take a cab and you use this application as a social means to be able to see who's around you that also needs to take a cab to going, going to you know, relatively the same place you are going. And guess what? You share the cab. I don't know what else to say. Cab share. Pretty straightforward. You, you know what? I mean, so, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a joke that they raised $3,000. Uh, and, and, and apparently, this is a three-person startup company. So they've raised about 1000 bucks each. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, that, that – but, you know, the idea of sharing cabs is interesting. Um, for, for me, in, in just one aspect of it is – you know I travel a lot. You know I'm at like airports all the time in foreign cities, and I take cabs, you know, from the airport to the hotel I'm staying at or a convention center or wherever I'm going. And I can tell you that just just observing the line of people waiting for cabs, uh, in New York or Chicago or whatever, something like CabShare. I mean, eighty percent of those people would be willing to share a cab because they're going to the same place. They're going to the same hotel, even or the same convention or the same whatever. Can you imagine the impact on uh, on how much less taxi companies will make for if if something like this actually happens at an airport, so, like in New York or in Chicago? But then you know what happens is that the uh, the Teamsters get involved and they ban and outlaw something like this, or they get the yeah. government involved in banning and outlawing something like this, and then it's back to normal. Um, cab drivers, just like oil companies, will never let this stuff happen. Oil companies will never let a battery power a car for for any it's longer. Crazy. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. But like, uh, you know what? If, if you ever, every city's gone through this with with the cabs and with Uber and probably with CabShare Canada. 
because it doesn't benefit the people who are in charge and uh and it's it's frustrating so uh, maybe capture canada will work uber should work all of these things should work because it's evolution of a crappy should, business yeah. i mean they're great yeah uh, well, I, we could go on and on and on and on and on like this. If you if you really want to talk about it, let's take it offline. And you out there as well, if you are listening to this in Ottawa, you should be outraged that your city council is looking at re- removing Uber. And then on the other hand, trying to rebrand themselves as innovative. You cannot be both. You cannot kick out one of the most innovative companies on the planet that just raised another billion two today and, uh, and call yourself innovative. So... Anyway, crazy. It's dumb. Car share, cap share Canada.ca if you want to share a cab in Vancouver. All right. Our Oof. fourth story over to the Girl Scouts of America. Uh, yes, my daughter is a Girl Scout. Yes, she does sell cookies. And I, I will let you know if, if you like cookies, girl, girl Guy cookies. I do. Uh, we have them available twice a year and I can hook you up. Okay. That's, that's all I got to say. Now, um, and I see I'm, I can only do this because Rob only has two boys he doesn't sell, sell girl guy cookies see, no. there you go um, now the girl, the girl Scouts of America have launched a app called the Girl Scout Cookie Finder app so if you are that person that you just can't wait to get those cookies and you need to know where you can get them basically what you have here is a new app you can install on your device uh, and it, it will um, it will help you find the closest uh, scout troop to you and find the closest uh, girl that can sell you these cookies. Um, so it's all location-based. Uh, it, it, it shows you her profile, what she plans to do with the money when she raises the cookies, and lets you place your order directly through the app. Um, you know, Everybody's getting in this, and it's both iOS and Android. Um and uh, there you go. So the, the you know the girl the, the Girl Scout cookie season in the U.S. is about to start. Uh, so it's just you know like a you know a week or two away now. Uh, so get your app if you're out there if you're looking for these cookies and you'll be able to find the closest girl who can sell you cookies in your neighborhood. So Done. doesn't that sound like I'm gonna be like the guy out there chasing down the girl guides? Hey hey I need hey running across hey, there, like, yeah. I, you're on my app I've been stalking yeah. I've been following you hey Jane I know you I know what you like that's a little creepy really a little bit 44 little bit. year old man but, out there you know, if you just have that cookie hankering or you could just contact me and I'll <laughs> that's probably know. the best way to do it yeah just contact me and I'll let you know when the cookies are available and you can place your orders can you ship can you ship to Ottawa can you ship uh, to I can ship to Ottawa. Yeah. I can definitely ship. It's like a night. The, the boxes are five bucks, but it's a nineteen dollar overnight delivery fee, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know what? Uh, I just hope that this is not taken inappropriately uh, because there's so much that could go wrong with this. Uh, hopefully, the Girl yeah. Scouts have, have figured that out because there will be people chasing girls down the street as a result of this. It's just gonna be a little creepy. All right, I'm gonna roll here. Yeah. Uh, now here, our fifth story. Is uh, and you know what I I found that the, like Girl Scouts last year uh, didn't they they were the first ones to accept uh, Square payments right at yeah. the door yeah so these guys are totally innovative pushing it yeah they are pushing it very cool and now all they have to do is figure out how to get Uber involved and do the delivery for them all right our fifth story involves something that I I you know it's it may, this may sound innovative and uh, I think we'll be talking a little bit about this this is about beacons again but it's it's a, a, around a different approach to beacons this is a partnership with Proxima and Exterion 
uh, to actually in Proxima, like I'll give you a little bit of background of the company's Proxima is the uh, is a mobile proximity marketing and near field communications company, payments company, and Exterion Media is a out of home media owner. They're working with a transport company called First Group, and it, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put beacons inside of uh, a bus, and uh, and this is actually done so that when you're driving through a uh, an affluent uh, shopping area in in a shopping neighborhood, you'll get notification through an app that there is some deals going on. So picture yourself on a bus and you've downloaded the app and you actually get notifications of deals as you're screaming down the highway or screaming down the road uh, of a deal that is on a retail outlet that is right next to you on the, obviously on the street uh, but you can't stop or you can't get off the bus because you're on your way to work or on your way home from work. It's one of these ideas that may seem good on paper like hey everybody mm. needs a little distraction when they're riding a bus we might as well send them ads because ads obviously there's a quote in there from one of the founders who said it, it seems that ads work in buses, so we might as well do this. It's the most ridiculous idea. People aren't going to be getting off the bus to go to a retailer, uh, and it has nothing to do with loyalty. A, a, a bus, you've got a picture, is like a bullet screaming down the road, and there is no way to stop, no way to get off, no reason to get off, because I'm, my destination is predetermined when I get on the bus. No interruptive marketing or anything like that is going to help. I don't get this idea, Asif. This is one of these things that is just a, a you know, an idea searching for a market, and mm. it, there isn't one here. There is just isn't one. Yeah, I mean, what I don't get about it is, is that you know, there's there's I think twenty merchants that have signed on. Yeah. This is in Nor Norwich uh, area, yes. uh, in the UK, and um, what I don't get about it is, is these are I under my belief from how, the way I read this is, is these are local merchants yeah. that are in the area that the bus is passing through. No one's going to get off this bus, as Nobody. you say. No, I mean, as a platform, if they, if these were like you know multinational brands like you know Gap or you know Banana Republic or Marks and Spencer or somebody like that, I could see you know that you know you, maybe you pass by, you get a, a sort of a visual impression of the store, you know, of the Marks and Spencer store, and then some sort of offer is sent to you that is you know retained for future use down the road, maybe at the Marks and Spencer near you, where you actually live, or something like that. But you know, a local merchant, I'm not hopping off the bus, you know, to to stop where I'm going to, to go do this, right? If it's something that you know, it's kind of like for me, you know, where it would make sense is like it was like kind of like what we talk about with Shazam lately, right? Which is, you know, okay, there's an ad that just played for Marks and Spencer on the screen. Uh, my Shazam app, you know, heard heard the thing, and then you know stored something on my device so that the next time I walk into a Marks and Spencer store, it it can activate. Yeah, that makes sense, and you could deliver that on a bus because you there's could. high dwell time, right? There's high dwell time there. there but is. this, I don't get it. Uh, this this doesn't make any sense at all because where are the beacons? The beacons are in the store, right? So you you know the the you'd have to be able to do something very quickly to do a handshake. And I know it's very quick in beacons, but like as you're screaming down the bus, you'd, I don't want to be notified that there was a deal three blocks before. I, I think that there's so many problems on this. Uh, not only not to mention is that you have to go and download another app, a third party yeah. app, just for this, oh. just to be pushed ads, right? It doesn't make any sense. But I love the idea. If you're on the bus. Create a partnership with that bus line with the 20 retailers that when they walk on, they get some kind of benefit, that they capture the benefit at that moment, and then they walk into the store when they can, and it, in, it, it incentivizes people to go into the store. I don't yeah. even think that would work, but it's much better than being bombarded with ads as you're going 80 miles an hour down the street uh, that you're not going to, and, and you're on your way to work. How many people are going to download that? Bing! That's a big zero. It's a big zero. Yeah. Yeah, no Silly. way. Actually, right. there's going to be nine because I think some of the people in the companies that are doing this will do it. Sure. The bus driver might do it Ride because the bus route. driver yeah. will, will benefit. So, meh. <laughs>
All right. Number six, our sixth story, KLM. Bring it up again. Bring it up. Airline. Bring it up. Let's get some good joy. Good going news. On good here, news here. Uh, they've launched this new campaign called Cover Greetings. I love this. So, in partnership with uh, DDB and Tribal, uh, the two two great agencies, uh, Tribal Amsterdam and uh, FHVBBDO. Uh, so all their agencies basically that they're working with over there, um, and the uh, and the Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam uh, have created something which I think is c- kind of interesting. So KLM is one of these airlines. They're always trying to push the boundaries, always trying to find new ways to connect with their their customers and their fans. Um, we, we've talked about their must-see map project. We've talked about their you know surprising customers at gates with with gifts in the past. I mean all the crazy things that they've they've done. Um, and here they are again with this thing called cover greetings. And so what what they've what, what they're trying to you know uh, intimate to people is that they understand that people who travel are you know away a lot from their family and their friends. I'm one of them. Um, and uh, you know you, you know and so the, you know there's this need to create a connection you know while you're away from the people that you care about. And so they've tried to, to sort of do that with with this idea of what they call cover greetings, which is. You know, through when when you book your flight, uh, you know we can connect with your loved ones, and your loved ones can basically write a personalized message in a felt tip pen uh, that then gets you know by the time before you get on the plane, somebody's taken this, these personalized messages that are written on these uh, on these covers that go over the seats, if you will, you know, a little piece of, of of material that sits over the seat where your head your head's going to be resting. Um, and, and so you arrive on the plane and you have a personalized message from your friend or your loved one uh, that's written in this felt tip pen on, on, on the seat cover. I love it. It's great, right? It's just, you know, it, it surprises people. They had people like, you know, on there with video cameras filming people as they were experiencing this uh, for the first time. Um, you know, and there's some really interesting stories that they've been able to tell from this, or that they shared on social media and other things. So, I think this is really neat. Um, you know, that that they that they that they do these things to try and connect people to their families. They understand the emotion around this, and they leverage emotion. And it's not just technology. This has got nothing to do with technology, right? But it's highly local, and and it's highly about you know, you know, people engaging with this brand. So I love it. It's perfect, KLM. Bringing it up a notch. Good news story. There you go. All right, our uh, seventh story uh, involves Firefox, that browser that some people still may use. I think the world uses Chrome uh, these days, but uh, Firefox... I still use it. You still use Firefox? Well, this is good for you, then. This is why Asif likes this story. Uh, They've come out with something called Location Guard. It's a uh, relatively new extension for Firefox that can be configured individually for each domain that you visit uh, to access location-based features, specific location-based features. And the immediate thing that I thought about with this was, we're in Canada, so we don't get Hulu, full Hulu access up here, or full Netflix access up here. We have kind of, we're kind of where where Netflix was in the States uh, two years ago. So, uh, you know, now you can obfuscate your IP address and say, like, show that you're not in Canada in order to be able to get that kind of, uh, you know, the full uh, programming schedule from Netflix or Hulu or whoever you might use. But there are two features to this. So one of them is exactly that, is that you can actually set your location to any place in the world so that you can actually, it, it looks like you're coming from that from that country. So now you have a reason to go back to Firefox, Rob. You do. This is actually a very good idea. And, and you know, some people use proxy servers and some other uh, ways of doing this. Uh, and here's a great plugin that allows you to do that. That's one reason. Now, this might be just because of security. You, you are not sure. interested in showcasing or telling anybody where you are. So... 
we're going to go on the side that we're we're humans and we want to do good as opposed to we're it humans. It says and... I'm in Canada, but I'm yeah, in exactly. Japan. I'm in Japan. No. I am in Japan. No. Uh, you know, you can see that for if you wanted to ever watch a hockey game while you're in Japan, you can set your your Rogers account. You know, as you on the internet, right. you, you log in from Canada. Uh, so that makes sense. And the, but the other way, reason that you would do this is that it, it, you know you can set your location. You can raise the noise level of your location, so it can't pinpoint you exactly. Uh, to where you are so that it you basically the accuracy goes down so you can say that i'm in ottawa or i'm in toronto or i'm in tokyo but i'm it, it doesn't know the street or the postal code or the hotel that i'm in you can actually add a little bit of granularity or remove the granularity when it comes to location mm. so those are the two features i i can imagine why people would download this is the first one which is around obfuscating your location so you can get all the great content that comes from netflix and hulu that's 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 it. But it uses location. It's called Location Guard for Firefox. So if you're the nine, one of the nine people uh, that use Firefox, like I can see if you can download that right now. Location Guard. There you go. All right. Our eighth story is about a new app called Neighborhoods. Uh, now I got to give you the spelling because it's N E I G H B R H D S. Okay, got that. Neighborhoods. Neighborhoods. It's a, a new app from a company called Urban Living Marketing, uh, which is apparently a company that's uh, been around in a while in the com community mobile app market. Um, and uh, what does this thing do? Well, it curates uh, a community-based social feed of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram updates from local businesses and organizations, a hand-picked guide to the top restaurants, bars, and coffee shops in those, in those communities, including the latest real estate listings for sale and lease uh, in that community uh, available on iOS and Android um, and you know uh, okay. uh, uh, I, I don't like doing this but I have to say we've got like 600 apps like this uh, and other than the real estate piece uh, I don't know why we need another one that can curate uh, Facebook Twitter and Instagram by community because there's like a hundred that do that uh, or can tell us about the local restaurants or bars because you know Yelp does that, Foursquare does that. I mean, there's there's some people who do this. Facebook uh, does that. Google Facebook does, does that. Twitter um, does that. Currently available in San Francisco, LA, and Las Vegas, Perfect. with a bunch of other cities coming uh, in the not too distant future. Perfect. Um, I, I got nothing good to say about this thing. I, I don't know how it's going to take off. I mean, they're 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 positioning it as it's you know it's about individual little communities. Uh, guys, you know, there was a company called Patch, you might have heard of them, uh, didn't do so well, uh, owned by AOL, lots of money, uh, didn't do so well. Uh, so, um, good luck to you, is all I gotta say. Neighborhoods, exactly how it sounds, but yeah. not, without all the letters, um, dot com. Yeah. Neighborhoods dot com. Yeah, if you only want it for real estate purposes, okay, maybe there you go. Mm. But, yeah, the rest of it. No, no, no. Social curation. I mean, didn't we talk about a couple of weeks ago? We talked about Facebook doing this exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So see ya. Well, I mean, even ba Banjo does this. Yeah, Banjo does. Hey, check it out. Venue Labs does this. Look at that. Geophedia does this. Yes. Right? 77 I mean, million companies yeah. do this. So what so, makes you better? Yeah. There you go. All right. So hopefully, right. hopefully uh, they got the message there. Yeah. All right. Our uh, ninth story here. This is... um. I, I kind of like this story. 
because it, it, it kind of incorporates everything that we like about um, yeah. leveraging other people's apps, leveraging other people's audience, leveraging the technology around, not making it too complicated, not making people think too much, not making people download an app, not making people do a bunch of things that, that, that they shouldn't be doing. So this is a, uh, obviously, we talked about Regent Street and the beacons on Regent Street that were put mm -hmm. in. This is a company that called Onograph that put these in 130 different retailers on Regent Street, which is the high-end retail uh, shopping street in London. And so we've always asked, I've always asked, so what do they do with this, right? So does it just push deals to them? Can they leverage them? Can they use the technology like the beacons that the queen has put in there herself? She went and installed every little beacon into the front doors of all these locations. Can those stores then basically commandeer the beacon for their own use? And the answer is yes, because Liberty Stores um, is doing that. And so here, here's the process by which this happens. So uh, they, they've they launched an app called uh, Tapestry uh, that you, once you've downloaded it and you entered all of your loyalty information, this is your Liberty Store loyalty information and uh, contact information into that app, you tie it to your Instagram account. And once that is all done, the app allows you to pick the brands within the, within this Tapestry app uh, allows you to pick the brands that you want to follow. So say you're very interested in a certain brand or a certain kind of, uh, I don't know, bag or certain shoes or anything like that. You can follow that brand inside of this application that pulls in all of this stuff from Instagram, all the photos from Instagram. And then you can like those things and, and you, you like the photos and you like whatever it is and the brands. And then based on your likes and your purchase history, because they have it through your loyalty uh, account, they push deals to you on the things that would be of interest to you while you are in the store. It's triggered when you walk in the door with what? The Queen's Beacon. So you walk in, every store has been beaconed, you actually have the application, you've done some social curating, your loyalty is there, it actually does that. One of the coolest features though is that, say you're looking for that great bag or that great hat or whatever it might be, or the coat or whatever, it actually pin pinpoints it into the store. It'll identify inventory, it'll tell you where to go inside of the store and just it'll get you right to that uh, product that you want and maybe throw you a deal. This is probably to me a very, 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 very good example of a seamless integration with beacons offline, online, loyalty, leveraging some huge network and all the data that comes from something like Instagram. And the engagement rate through Instagram, as we know, for that age category, say 18 to 35, is very, very, very high, especially around brands. Um, I, we're going to be talking about this because this is a, a part of, of, of a bigger story. But suffice to say, I, I like this. I like the fact that they're leveraging the beacons inside of the store. I like it too. All right, our final story. Uh, this is number 10. Target. Numero 10. Target. Target stores. Uh, Target up here if you want. Uh, whatever. Let's let's just, you know. They partnered with Google's uh, art, copy, and code program uh, to do something kind of different this, uh, this holiday season. Uh, so as you are out shopping uh, at Target stores, uh, they basically have a, a, a series of mobile games, uh, six mobile games, in fact, that you can play uh, that are uh, connected uh, through, uh, through a mobile website. And uh, what's interesting about this is, uh, is that uh, so you can, you can play these little games. You can play them, obviously, while you're in the Target store. 
you, you don't need to be in a Target store to do this, but uh, in 1,800 uh, stores across the U.S., they also have promotional signs telling people about these games and that there's if you're actually in the store, there's a special three-digit code that you can get while you're in the store that un unlocks bonus content within the games. So you can play the games without going to the store, but if you're actually in the store and let's say you're already hooked on these games, then you can actually unlock uh, you know bonus content while you're there. Uh, games include things like throwing virtual snowballs, m maneuvering a sled down a mountain by swiping fingers across the screen, and, and other such things. And the best part of this is that uh, for each time you play a game, a dollar, uh, Target will donate a dollar to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, up to a million dollars in total. So all good things happening here uh, around the holiday season, uh, using gamification, driving people to the stores to physically be there, to play these games, to get bonus content, and, and donating to charity. A lot of good things going on here. So that is Target partnering with Google's Art, Copy, and Code program. That's one of our big stories as well, by the way, just so you know. Yes. We're going to be talking about this. And in, in a different angle, one of the things that I did not mention about Cab Share Canada, and it is part of our big story as well, is that they're donating a portion of their revenue to the World Wildlife Federation in order to be able to ah. op offset some carbon carbon credits. Or, there you, you know, go. So there's, it does good as well. So there's, there's a lot around here around uh, charity. <coughs> And that is our second story that we're going to be talking about. Our first one is is literally called Beacons in the Wild, that we focused exclusively on beacons, it seems, in the retail industry. And now we've seen some examples in the top 10 stories here, including Barclays Bank, about using beacons for different things other than just pushing retail and ads. So we're going to, we're going to be talking about that. And then, of course, Target and Google uh, disarming security with charity and what that means. So we're going to get to that in a second. Those are the wrap of our top 10 stories. We have right now our guest of the week. is It's Michael Provenzano, who is the uh, co-founder of Vistar Media. And these guys are, are a prominent company that talk about cross-screen pollination. We talk about that all over the place. We talk about it many times. And I sat down with Michael earlier on in November to have this conversation around what they do and uh, the things that they do and the things that they've seen around cross-screen and, and certainly mobile's impl implication and impact on that. So here, without further ado, is Michael Provenzano, the co-founder of Vistar Media. Michael, thank you so much. Um, so you, uh, what do you do at Vistar Media? I'm the CEO and co-founder yeah. of the company about two and a half years ago. Um, what do you guys do? This, uh, sure, yeah. So we help brands uh, understand consumer physical world behavior. So the way we do that is by leveraging different sets of geotemporal data. So in our case right now, we use a lot of wireless carrier data to understand the patterns of consumers in the physical world. And then we're able to activate the insights that we gather from that data to reach them on both mobile and out of home. So in English, you, you gather people's behavior and you display the right things at the right time to convince them to buy stuff? That's it. Uh, you're, you should be our new seller. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's you know, I, I like to distill it down. I'm a simple guy. So, um, and, and I, I got to ask, like, so how long have you guys been doing this company? When did you start the company? Sure. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, uh, Two and a half years ago. And what was it like two and a half years ago to start a company doing this stuff? Oh, it was uh, interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> we started in an out-of-home space purely, so... Out of home is an industry that has uh, a few dead bodies in the water. Um, a lot of people have tried to aggregate the medium in different ways and uh, slice it and dice it to different um, areas of money in the agency. And uh, we went in full force and said we're going to do it in a different way. And uh, enough people listened, I think, so far. <laughs> was it hard? Was it hard to convince people back then to, to get on board? 
still hard today. Um, it depends on what side you're on as well. I think in the beginning, bringing um, media owners, supply side on board was very difficult because you're promising them money that you, know, you don't have in the back of your pocket quite yet. So bringing on the supply side, uh, a lot of deep relationships, a lot of trust um, with some of the C-level guys at the media owners and bring them on. They took a big risk with us, but you know now we're all running in a pretty good spot where we generate a nice piece of revenue for them over the years. How do you guys differentiate from, from that? How do you separate yourself from this herd that has emerged? Yeah, I think it talks a lot about um, the way you look at the data that you're interested in describing audiences, particularly for location. Um, so for us, we came from uh, the very opposite side of the spectrum, you know, starting in out of home, yes. coming from screens that are one to many and not trackable at all. I, I don't know who's in front of my screens. I don't know who is, uh, I don't know if there's even someone there, right? Mm -hmm. the, the default out of home case uh, two years ago. And on the other side, you have digital people coming from a cookie oriented approach, right? Desktop approach where I literally know exactly the behavior of this person, I know where they're going, I know what's going on. So it's funny when you look up kind of the progression, you have the digital guy starting with the cookie, people say let's do cookies on mobile, that doesn't really work, let's find an ID, okay which ID do we use? Finally we settled on some device IDs and now we're looking at some statistical IDs to compare them across devices. Whereas Vista comes from a little bit different angle where we come from that area where nothing was very trackable and we said, what, is, what are data sets that can help us describe space and time? So for me, my audience is heavily about what is the affinity or the probability of a certain type of behavior in a certain area in time. So and in this area of Manhattan over these four blocks, is there a high propensity for someone who uh, you know, gets coffee at Starbucks every morning between 3 and 6 p.m.? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that we focus on from our end versus, the, I think, the one-to-one -one approach that people are coming in from the digital side. Well, I want to thank Michael for coming on uh, and doing the longer episode with me on Untether.tv and, of course, allowing us to use this little piece. I always say allowing us to use, but you know what? They find out when you do. <laughs> so it's not like he said, yeah, I, I give you the rights to use it, but I want to thank him for allowing for coming on. And then we use the, the clip here. Um, he did not give us permission to use it, but I'm hoping that he does not mind. Uh, Michael Provenzano, vistarmedia.com if you like some more information. And of course, you guys can go to untether.tv, sign up for the mailing list, and you will get notified exactly when that full episode comes out. Michael Provenzano, vistarmedia.com. We go. All right, here now, Asif. Uh, we're going to jump into our our big uh, our big themed stories, uh, and the first one is around beacons in the wild. That is a stellar, stellar example of how to use beacons for good with the Barclays Bank uh, helping uh, people with disabilities get notified uh, about uh, their pending arrival so they can prepare for them. Uh, and I think that this is probably, uh, you know, from an altruistic, from a customer service standpoint, the best use of beacons I have ever heard of because it does the proximity well. It does a whole bunch of things well. It pulls up data mm. well. It does all those things. And it's a two-way interaction between the, the beacon, somebody inside of the bank and the actual person that's on their way to the bank. This this example really does show that beacons are not just for pushing ads and creating ad networks and pushing retail. And I can think of a thousand different things all of a sudden that beacons can be used for. Uh, and uh, so yeah. this must have had a huge impact on you because it, 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 it makes you feel good, but it also serves a purpose. 
Oh, it's it's amazing, and, and and you know it's a bank that you know as I was reading this story, like I kind of like dug into it a little bit more, and this is I mean these guys are constantly looking for ways to you know reach out to customers, you know, um, and and embrace you know other other segments of the industry other than sort of the regular traditional customer, yeah. you know, whether it's visually impaired or physically disabled or what have you. So like they've got uh, you know uh, debit cards, bank cards for visually impaired people. Uh, I don't know if we have that here. Uh, I, I know my bank. I've never seen anything from my bank. You know about that. They have uh, they have this thing that, uh, that that uh, that they've created called the Barclays Elderly Stimulation Suit. Uh, <laughs> no, um, that's enough. And this is a family had, show, is he? We don't they've had fifty employees that basically put on this this suit, and it's designed for staff to go around their facilities and and personally understand the issues that the elderly oh, consumers would you face. Said, on. I thought you said stimulation suit, not simulation. Simulation. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, yeah. Sorry. I may have said that. Uh, simulation. So so they do these things to try and understand what it's like, right? Uh, you know, to uh, you know, to be, be an elderly person that's trying to do banking or be somebody with a disability. Um, and, and so this is just you know the latest expression of yeah, you know, technology is great, beacons are amazing, everybody's talking about them, but how can we use these things in a way that's very positive and and in this case, customer service oriented, right? Um, so, so I think it's it, it's really really smart. Tesco, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to you know overgeneralize too much, but you know, if I was to take sort of what what we've seen coming out of the UK and contrast that against you know generally what we see in the US, I mean, almost every example of beacon deployment I've seen in the US is focused on retail and pushing messages or offers to consumers. In the UK, you, you know, here's Barclays doing this. We've talked about Tesco on this show. Tesco's, you know, said, look, you know, we love beacons. We think they're great. Um, but again, you know, we're not pushing messages to people because we don't think that's the right thing to do. We're using beacons to optimize, you know, customer service in our stores, well, making sure we can we can get an employee to somebody, you know, while they're shopping that might need help. Or, you know, like how do we understand, you know, how long the lines are, or how long the queues are, uh, you know, at checkout so we can kind of reduce that. So there are lots of things we can do with beacons that have nothing to do with pushing, you know, a marketing message. Um, and we're going to see much more of that, I think, in 2015, uh, you know, in general, in all markets. But so far, the, the leadership around this, you know, non-retail push messaging stuff seems to be coming from, from the UK, in my opinion. I've seen a couple of examples of, of good companies that are thinking along those lines. But uh, if you were to take what they're doing at Barclays and just bring it into North America, you know, into a business in North America, I would almost think that sports arenas, hockey arenas, baseball arenas yeah. would be the first natural place because beacons are in now all Major League Baseball stadiums except for three. So you can actually, instead of pushing messages and hot dogs and crap, you can actually do something that creates a loyalty deeper loyalty connection with your customer by doing this just this one simple thing right would, would make a big difference now i i did some work uh quite a bit of work with a with a local startup here under terry matthews who is a billionaire one of canada's billionaires uh here uh, the founder of newbridge and and uh he funded a company called Inable. rob deals with billionaires every day you're, you're yeah. right yes yeah. i they know more than i do i've had conversations with terry matthews where he's, he's like uh, I, I may have argued a point with him around uh, so i got to sit down with his senior executives and uh, you know once a month and have breakfast with these guys and terry matthews was there and and if you don't know who terry matthews is he's a boisterous uh, uh guy and uh he uh he basically whenever i'd argue something he'd say show how many zeros are in your bank account and I'd be like, well, one, just one, yeah. like a zero. You say, okay, 
show next. <laughs> right? He would even shut, shut yeah. me down pretty quickly because he's got many zeros in his bank. But one of the companies that he, he funded is this company called In It Live. And I did, I've done a lot of work with them over, uh, you know, um, up until this summer. And they, we had these eternal debates about uh, beacons and their use and their productivity inside of um, a location. So In It Live does event volunteer management from a mobile application. Infrastructure play, it's a huge, it's a huge opportunity. And I was, I was always pushing, like, if we put beacons in the walls, so we just put beacons, plug in beacons everywhere around the, the, the venue, you would get so much data. You'd be able to know where your volunteers are. You'd be yeah. able to know where your people were. You'd be able to know everything. And it was a passive data gathering tool. So, you know, when, when you start to think about what Barclays are doing, that's exactly what they're doing. And I was trying to push it for in it live to be able to build this functionality into the application so you knew where people were. And then when you expand a little bit and InitLive becomes a general purpose event application, we'll say, so that the actual delegates start using it, then you'll be able to understand what the flow is, the traffic flow of your event as a result of these beacons as well. So there are just a bunch of examples that you can use around grocery stores, around events, around venues, around banks, uh, that you can actually start to think about how beacons can augment the customer service aspect, not always push damn product and ads. Yeah. Because that's not what people want. They want to be helped. That's what that that's what this is about. And, and totally agree. And when you start to think about beacons in buses, it doesn't make sense if they're passing by the place that has the beacon inside the bus. Maybe, maybe it works, right? And uh, even something like Liberty Store leveraging the beacon at the door to create a loyalty program based on their likes. That that is beautiful. It's like the digital yep. with the real world and the beacons. And my goodness. Why are we so focused, just so focused narrowly on the retail story when there's so much more that we can be doing it? Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if, if uh, you know, and, and I, I'm not, again, you know, I'm not trying to say, hey, you know, the UK is the only place that knows how to do this. But I wonder if it has anything to do with, you know, uh, the legal uh, frameworks that exist in Europe versus what's, you know, what we have available in, in, in the US and Canada, where it's much stricter. And what you can do in terms of pushing, you know, marketing messages. So they look uh, to, elsewhere. So so they look they look for other ways to leverage this technology, uh, you know, perhaps before we do. So so I see, if Connor, are you calling North Americans lazy? Uh, lax, lax. I like it. <laughs> well played, well played, Mister Khan. Well played. Yeah. Well played. <clears throat> Well, so. we'd like to know what you think about this because I, I look. Maybe there's opportunity. I, I don't know if there's a business here. But I do believe that this is an existing business. A beacon could be a dream in order to be able to do simple things like put a beacon in your store and then have a loyalty app that when you walk into the store, it automatically credits you being there and you get some loyalty points. That simple mm. act like that will cost you $15 for an Estimote beacon, right? $15 and then you have to build an app. But just $15 for the beacon. Anyway. Yep. There's lots that you can do. There's lots that you can do and it doesn't have to push messaging. It doesn't have to be complicated. Hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, the second story we wanted to look at was uh, this whole concept of Target and Google and anybody, uh, even Girl Guides, uh, because we're giving up a little bit of privacy and security with uh, with a Girl Scout cookie finder app. Um, and, uh, you know, location guard with Firefox, all of these different kinds of concepts uh, around, and, and also, of course, uh, uh, Cab Share Canada, we're giving away... Uh, we're kind of putting, we're using that charity concept 
as a kind of a way to circumvent security and privacy. That's what it seems to me that maybe that's what we're doing is that if, if Target and Google were doing this without that piece, I think that there would be a lot more scrutiny on them than if they, but because they're doing it with charity for charity or a portion of it is for charity, people are, are more apt to let that go a little bit more. But uh, I mean, we were talking beforehand and I said, so let's see who, who, who benefits from, from this target or Google and you're like, well, yeah. or, you know, from this partnership and it's, is it the charity a little bit, but it's really target, right. That benefits from this. Right. For sure. For sure. But, but I mean, it, it's a strategy that we've seen work. I mean, when we look at, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people's willingness to share location over and over again, still, you know, one of the issues and it's getting, you know, it's becoming less and less of an issue as, as time goes on here, but, but, but privacy or, or, you know, giving up our location data is still one of the top reasons that people don't, you know, don't do it. Um, and yet when we see campaigns that are tied to some sort of charitable initiative, like the target, St. Jude's uh, project here, people tend to think about, you know, the, you know, the, the onus or, or the focus, you know, in the mind of the consumer goes, goes to the charity first. Right. So it, it's, it's, oh, hey, you know, yeah, I'll play this game and, you know, Target's going to donate a dollar to St. Jude's. Um, and so you, you, you're not really thinking about, you know, the data that you're giving up. You're just thinking about, you know, hey, I'm going to do this because, you know, it's a way for me to support a charity without the money coming out of my own pocket. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody else is going to do that in the case of Target. And so, you know, the, you're, give, you're still giving Target your data, but you're, you're not thinking about it in that context. Um, and we saw this, and I think another really good example of this was uh, probably two years ago now already, uh, Five Guys, the burger chain in the U.S., yep. did a campaign with Kraft um, and uh, Feeding America. And it was, go to any Five Guys restaurant while this campaign was on, Check in on this app, and for every check in, a dollar gets donated to Feeding America. And consumer actually got a coupon as well uh, for a dollar off Kraft cheese. And um, you know, it was interesting because you know I talked to the guys there, you know, from Five Guys, and what they said was, is you know, before this, you know, like when they contrasted check ins pre campaign uh, against those that were happening during the campaign, there was almost a forty percent lift in traffic, uh, you know, to the stores. That people would just go to Five Guys and check in because they knew they were supporting Feeding America, um, and so you know just from that perspective alone, you know obviously they were benefiting from it. They were getting more traffic. People were buying more burgers, you know whatever it is. Um, but it was all sort of, and they weren't thinking about obviously you know people who weren't going there before and checking in are now going there just because you know of the Feeding America component. And I think this you'll see the same thing happen here with this with this Target piece. In that you know people know, and it's just a hey, it's a way. Look, I can support this charity. Maybe I don't have the money myself, or I don't want to take that money out separately to go give it to that charity because you know I still got to spend money at Target, or I still want to have a burger at Five Guys. But you know, if I do that, or I want to have a burger, period. Uh, you know, and maybe I'll choose Five Guys over Burger King because you know at the same time I'm probably a good idea though. So just in general, yeah, in general, yeah, yeah, and you know the the big thing that this does though is uh, this, this could affect and influence uh, people who would typically not use the technology. And I think that, right. that that cannot be understated because perhaps it's a, it's a charity that is uh, obviously broader than the people using smartphones or the people using any of these things or who would typically play a game or, or like something on Facebook and they don't really understand the implications of what they're giving up in order to play that game. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that this is a, it's a, obviously a, 
We know this. It's a strategic marketing play to to tug at the heartstrings in order to be able to bring you into this digital world. And I would say that a good portion of the audience probably don't know what they're giving up in order to be able to play something or do something like this. So, you know, it, it really does uh, target a group that maybe would never, ever, ever interact with Target on uh, on this playing field, on the digital playing field. So, you know, I, a lot of education has to go into this so that you understand what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we've all seen newbies, noobs, jump on, uh, like, if you've ever seen somebody jump on a Facebook for the first time and then like everything and click everything and accept mm. everything or sign up for mailing lists and millions and millions of emails later, they don't understand why their inbox is swarmed and they've clicked on something that is a phishing experiment. Like, we've seen these things. So... I'm not saying that it stems from Target, but hey, like they haven't been great with your privacy, have they? Oh, no, no, they haven't. So no. this is another example of that is that, you know, I, I just believe that if you put anything in, in under the umbrella of a charity, people are more likely to attack and be a part of it, become a part of it uh, than people who, who if they just did this on their own. And and uh, so you're, you're tugging at the heartstrings, you're pulling at people's weaknesses. And so, so I think it's a good strategy because I'm a business guy. But on the flip side, I think, wow, it's so disingenuous. Those mm. are fuckers, right? That's exactly. And it's marketing and it's manipulative, but it's effective. And but it works. It works. Because it works. people don't know any better. So educate yourself. And then all of a sudden, you may decide, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe I'll just flip them a buck when I'm in the store instead of doing yeah. this kind of stuff. Anyway, I, I, you know, I always wonder about this because charity can put, you know, puts a, a fog of war around something like this. Same thing, maybe with. Um... But he, but you know, so, so the thing that just entered my mind, right, and and, and just totally off the cuff right now yeah. is. So hey, here, see, so this... see if I, I should tell you that everything I say throughout these entire episodes are off the cuff. So well, welcome most to the club. of what I do too, but, yeah, but okay. um, I, ha I haven't given this any pre-thought whatsoever. Oh no! So, okay. So here, this is the holiday season we're talking about coming yeah. up. Um, you know, historically, you know, Target is one of the retailers that has allowed, at least in the U.S. You know, Salvation Army, bell ringer guys to stand in the doorways and collect money. And now we, we know they also, they, you know, the, just like the girl guys, you know, these guys have square, uh, you know, there as well. You know, do you think something like this affects, uh, you know, how much, you know, those guys will be able to take in at the doors? Well, I, of course it does. I think that you have a bank, right? And you as a, as a human, as an individual, you think about how much can you give and where are you going to give? And, and you know, at some point, especially on the holidays, you've got to give as much as you can, but it just seems like everybody's asking. So you are going to compartmentalize. You are going to decide what you're going to give and when you're going to give. And uh, I mean, those Salvation Army guys who sit in the corner, like, I'm, I'm charitied out, right? I'm done. I'm not, yeah. I don't give them anything at, at any point because I've, I've already donated over here. And, and, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, donating to, you know, um, cancer charities and those things because it's personally affected us, right? So, you know, I, I think that it but would just, have an impact. But, but, but I get, I, I'm, I'm with you, but do you think like th this could be a negative thing in that, yeah. like for, from a target point of view? Because, you know, I, I can see where like... They support these guys. They allow them to stand, yeah. you know, in their doorways at, the, at their stores. And if all of a sudden, if the take goes significantly down this year, because somebody's sure. out there saying, "Look, you know, Target's actually trying to take the money themselves uh, over here," you know, by getting me to play games away from, you know, something like the Salvation Army. 
what is that you know like there could be a big story here right for target right like a, yep. a bad news pr story well i think it's a combination how many times have you gone through uh, target or any grocery store and been asked if you'd like to donate two dollars to the boys and girls club or anything like that right i think all of that plays on this and and you know december for me is a sacred time it should be just the salvation army like all charity should be like every month you should just yeah. choose the like in north america this is the charity of the month every dollar raised goes to that yeah. charity across the entire continent right so that it, there's no conflict here is that okay so every dollar that at every cash register across north america says today this month is boys and girls club so every dollar you donate here is to boys and girls club and then that would just eliminate it. i know I'm, i live in this weird world but you know 12 charities or do it every 15 days i don't care but just pick some time don't confuse me don't ask me 17 times for for to donate to charity it just it, it's it's just too much especially around the holidays because you know they can play with your emotions in the holidays mm. boy can they ever and and that's that's you know i just have a, a challenge with that but it, that's a good point maybe there, there will be go. a decline who knows all right well we're we're at the end here the sun the sun is setting like it does in japan on the flag <laughs> the sun is setting <laughs> the sun is is that deceive way of, of saying hey rob the thought in your head let's let's pinch it let's talk about that next week right it's exactly what it is um i do want to say one last thing about that charity thing so i'm going to ignore a c for a second because we talked about that cab share canada uh, site and one of the things that you know they do they well, get you're going to talk about patreon no no no, no. well uh, charity would be that would have been a better one but i'm not even going to bring up the ways that you can support on tether.tv and this week in location-based marketing i'm not going to do that what i'm going to do is talk about capture canada because they're giving away 20 percent of their profits to uh, the world wildlife F uh, federation or foundation and and uh you know one of the things that dawned on me is that uh what like there's a whole lot of security that has to happen in order for me to feel comfortable sitting next to you in a cab if not you in general but a stranger in general and we kind of glossed over that whole thing is that what kind of rating system how do you know that i'm not the crazy guy that's going mm. to uh, gag you while we're in the cab and uh, tell you to drive to my place right so this is not uh, i don't know if this can can uh, i don't know how they do the ratings there which is a big deal but Hey, let's just throw, you know, 20% goes to charity and uh, that becomes less important. You see what we yes. just did? We, we, we just demonstrated that because there's a whole security piece and a whole safety piece that I, I didn't even bring up, but I brought up the charity piece. So that's my last point on that is that Good point. charity is a fog of war. You can just kind of hide stuff um, as long as you wrap around a charity. All right. Those are, that's it. We don't have a resource because we never get to it. We don't want to keep you any longer. We got our top 10 stories, deep dives, beacons in the wild and uh, charity uh, disarming, uh, basically security and privacy. And of course, we had uh, Michael Provenzano, who is the co-founder of Vistar Media on the show. We hope you've liked it. We hope you enjoy these episodes. We've been doing it for so long. It would be great if you just reached out and let us know. And of course, if you find value in this, go and rate us. Take a screen cap, send it to me. We'll mention your company and your name inside of this podcast. You have to send it to me. I have to send it to me. I can't get to all the stories around the world uh, because this is broadcast in 130 countries. I cannot check all the stores. So you have to send it to me, please, wherever you reviewed it, and we will include it. So if you haven't done that, do it, please. And that's it. I've said my piece. See if you go. I'm good. You are uh, heading off on, uh, by the time you will be reading this or watching this, folks, I will be, will be in San in Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Safe travels, my friend. And uh, we will touch base for episode number 212 next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you later, Steve. Bye, Alfie. <laughs> Bye, Alfie. Bye, Alfie. <laughs>